Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the book of Ephesians. We are currently in chapter 6 at verse 10. Hi, I'm Glendale Tony. I am glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading, why don't we, in verse 10 of chapter 6 of the book of Ephesians, where Paul writes this. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that you will be able to resist in the evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So then, as you have noticed, we are nearing the end of the book of Ephesians, but not quite. And uh, uh, that means this paragraph uh, is actually the beginning of the third uh, major section in which we have divided the book. Uh, we started with our position in Christ, and that uh, was in chapter 1 at verse 3, all the way through chapter 3. And then at chapter 4, verse 1, uh, we introduced our life in the world, and if you remember, that has to do with our walk, our behavior, our conduct in the world, and in our relationships, the variety of relationships, uh, so that uh, we uh, conduct ourselves properly according to who we are in Christ. And, uh, of course, that goes all the way through chapter 6, verse 9. And now we begin this final section that we have called our attitude to the enemy. That's verse 10 of chapter 6 all the way to through uh, verse 20. And then, of course, there's a few closing remarks, but we will not get uh, all the way through uh, verse 20 even today in this exposition. Uh, we will mention uh, verses 18 through 20 a little bit later on because, because it is connected with the paragraph uh, which we uh, read just now. But uh, uh, these, uh, this uh, section includes the, um, the idea of the power and the source of the power. That's verse 10 of, of chapter 6. Then verses 11 and 12 talks about our position, uh, and that is the position that we are to take in relation to the enemy. And uh, then uh, verses 13 through 17 talks about our uh, protection and what God has equipped us with uh, the right kind of uh, uh, tools in order to defend ourselves against the enemy. And then finally, there is that section called the petition that will reserve that uh, verses 18 through 20 until the next episode. But um, right now, let's get into this uh, part of the power 
uh, number one, we're connected with uh, with the Lord, and it's calibrated by Him and by His might. Uh, verse ten says this: Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. So this is the source of our strength, and in fact, uh, that Greek word for strong in the Lord uh, is the um, is uh, has a root in it. Uh, the Greek root uh, it comes from a from a terminology or from some uh, a word that means uh, uh, a dynamic or uh, a dynamite, although that uh, that raises all sorts of uh, violent kind of uh, things. But uh, that's not necessarily involved in the original word here. It does has to do with the dynamic or the power of God. And that is inside of us. The, the spiritual vigor or stamina or vitality comes from the spirit of God and it comes from the Lord himself. That's the strength of his might. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, uh, Paul says, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. So there's a certain sense in which uh, in regard to the enemy, we are to be strong. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 says, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So this strength comes from him. This strength is because he inhabits us through the power of the Spirit of God and the Word of God in in us, and that strength is his strength. And not only is the strength inside of us, it says then in verse 11, to put on the full armor of God. And uh, that means uh, that the enemy has strategies that we are to fight against and to stand firm against those strategies, and then uh, we have opponents from another another realm, and that means uh, there's another dimension to this life. There's an, another dimension to our um, uh, forces that uh, that are against us, that that are against the gospel. They're against the truth, and this these are not just human forces. They're not just human enemies or political enemies. They have to do with the with the spirit world, with the unseen world. And um, you might call it the demonic world or the, the world of fallen angels as well as the devil himself. And that's who he brings up, in fact. In verse 11, put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So he has strategies. He has schemes. He has a pattern by which he wants to attack the gospel. He wants to attack the word of God. He wants to attack you and your Christian life and your ability to live the Christian life in some sort of a victorious way. And he wants to stand against that. That uh, that word, by the way, for the full armor, uh, the word full there is the uh, Greek word panoplia. And it's uh, exactly what it means, a, a, a full panoply of equipment has been has been uh, available made available to us for us to use so that we are not left without protection we are not left with the proper tools in order to defend ourselves against this unseen and you might even call him a supernatural um, enemy he's only supernatural because he's he's unseen as and he's beyond the flesh and blood existence that we can examine ourselves or we can fight with uh, physical um, uh, battle armor this is a spiritual thing and so uh, so we have a, a panoply. We have a whole spectrum of 
tools made available to us by God himself as a gift so that we can appropriate those tools. We can pick up that equipment and, uh, and remind ourselves that this equipment is ours and we, by faith, walk in this equipment, this full armor of God. In fact, uh, this is not a new metaphor to, that's limited to the New Testament. Uh, Isaiah chapter 11, verse 5, also righteousness will be the belt of his loins and faithfulness the belt about his waist. Isaiah 59, 17 says, he put on righteousness like a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. And he put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself with zeal as a mantle. So it is a it is an Old Testament uh, picture or image that uh, there is a battle that to be waged. That battle isn't a physical battle. It's not fought with um, uh, normal military tools. It is taught with spiritual, uh, that is fought with uh, spiritual tools. And uh, uh, it's interesting that this metaphor of uh, spiritual battle is a part of Paul's language uh, in lots of different places. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 25, he talks about a fellow by the name of Epaphroditus, and he calls him my fellow soldier. In uh, 1 Timothy 6 12, um, uh, he encourages Timothy to fight the good fight. It has to do with battle. And also 2 Timothy chapter 2, 3, it says, suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier in active service entangles himself in the affairs of everyday life so that he may please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. And then uh, in the same book, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Again, it's that military kind of kind of approach. It might say to the to the spiritual life of a Christian. And um, Philemon uh, verse two says, "And to Appia, uh, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, uh, to the church in your house." So there is a certain kind of aspect about living the Christian life because we have an enemy, an unseen enemy, then it takes on the metaphor of fighting a battle. And um, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verses uh, 4 and 5, uh, Paul says it this way, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God, and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. So this spiritual battle is... Um, primarily waged in the unseen realm. It is not waged by uh, normal military devices and equipment. It is not waged through political power or political uh, um, uh, achievements or uh, uh, those kinds are, are uh, battling the culture necessarily. But it's, it's about this spiritual battle, this unseen struggle uh, that's taking place that, in fact, uh, verse 12 says, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. That word struggle, uh, the Greek word there actually is an athletic term re referring to wrestling. And uh, so our, our wrestling is, is not with um, uh, humans necessarily, even though humans may be tools that uh, of the enemy, but yet uh, uh, we are to know that those humans or those political forces or those those physical um, uh, things that uh, that are, are around us 
are, are not the real problem. They are not the real enemy. It is the spiritual motivations behind those things and behind those people, behind those structures, behind those institutions, or behind those organizations that causes the real problems. It is the spiritual motivation, and that's why he lists them out here. Um, our struggle is actually not with flesh and blood. It's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's where the arena of our battle is. It's not in a physical arena. It is not in a battlefield of a normal military engagement. This has to do with the spiritual battle that takes place. And so, uh, uh, we do not war according to the flesh. Uh, the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful uh, for the destruction of fortresses. Again, I'm quoting from that uh, passage in Second Corinthians. It, and so this, this implies the fact that in the spiritual realm, in the demonic world, in the, that world of fallen angels, there is a certain kind of organization. There's a certain pattern. There's a certain purpose that they are coordinating themselves in order to accomplish. And we are to be aware of that purpose and be aware of those strategies because that's what he says. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day. And uh, we'll get back to this uh, verse 13 uh, right after this short musical interlude. Welcome back, and we have uh, been talking about our struggle, and our struggle, our wrestling match isn't with human beings. That's not our main uh, issue. It is with the enemy himself, the unseen enemy, uh, and all of his associates that he uh, has gathered around him in order to do battle against the gospel and the word of God and the people of God. Uh, he hinted at this earlier on. In uh, chapter 1 of, of the book of Ephesians, verse 21, where uh, Christ himself, and uh, we have been placed into Christ, but Christ himself has, been, uh, has, has ascended back to heaven. And it says, uh, by doing so, he is far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And then again in chapter 3, verse 10 of uh, the book of Ephesians, it says, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church 
to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. So as a church, as congregations um, uh, devoted to Christ and gathering in his name, as we are carrying carrying out the purposes of the church on this earth, facing the enemy and uh, dealing with the attacks of the enemy, uh, Paul is very much aware that there are rulers and authorities in heavenly places, and something about the church's existence is something that uh, that is a testimony to them about Christ's name and his power and his authority and his ultimate sovereignty and, as well, his ultimate victory in this great battle. And so, It says uh, to take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist in the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. So there are these rulers and authorities in unseen places beyond the realm of our own uh, detection devices uh, in the uh, laboratory or in the microscope or in telescopes or any uh, uh, or, or in the test tubes or any other uh, uh, sort of thing that we might investigate physically. There are these things that exist spiritually and those are our real enemies. He says, uh, he says, then there are spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And um, it says that we are to take the full armor of God to resist in the evil day. Even though the, the enemy has his own schemes and strategies, what's interesting is that all of this equipment is for the resistance against him. It's not necessarily to go after him, uh, to pursue him to, to, uh, to his uh, demise, but instead it is to defend ourselves against him. And yes, there are some, uh, there is at least one uh, uh, offensive weapon here that's given later on, but all the rest are defensive uh, equipment. And that's what he wants to focus on. Why? Because our main goal is to stand and resist. That's what's going on here. And that is our challenge. That is our responsibility. That that God has placed with us to stand firm, therefore, in verse uh, uh, verse 14. We are to resist the enemy, and we are to stand firm uh, with this full armor. And here is the full armor. that It begins in verse 13. It's the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. And then in verse 18 is prayer as a final piece of that equipment. And all of these things find their roots in Old Testament passages and in Old Testament quotes, you might say, from which uh, he gets these images and gets these these symbols, if, uh, if you want to call them that. We are um, we are to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. It, it, that's kind of a summary of everything, according to Romans chapter 13, verse 14, according to Galatians chapter 3, verse 27, 27 excuse me, for all of you have uh, who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. We take him upon us and we take all of this equipment that comes with him and our relationship to him so that we can resist. In fact, James chapter four, verse seven, uh, uh, in speaking about this whole phenomenon, he kind of, um, 
cleverly just uh, says it very, very simply. He says, submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Notice that we are not to be the scared ones. We are not the ones to run from the devil. But neither in this engagement with the enemy himself, neither is this characterized as our attack against him, but rather it, it merely and simply is resisting him after we have submitted ourselves to God. And that's what's going on here. And in fact, uh, Peter says almost exactly the same thing. First Peter chapter five, verses eight and nine, it says, be of sober spirit, be on the alert. Uh, your adversary, the devil prowls around like a roaring lying lion, uh, seeking someone to devour. He is out there on our perimeter, you might say, uh, just outside of our vis- uh, visual contact. And, uh, and yet, uh, he is, he is looking for someone to devour and he uses various strategies and various equipment that he has in order to attack, in order to diminish the authority of the gospel, the authority of God's words, the, the power of the Holy spirit dwelling within us. And he attacks us, but notice our responsibility in first uh, Peter, uh, chapter five and verse nine, it says, but resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same experiences of suffering and being accomplished by your uh, brethren who are in the world, so that there are other uh, brothers and sisters around the globe that uh, that have suffered and are suffering for the sake of Christ. We are to resist the enemy, and uh, we are to stand strong in order to resist him. And that is our responsibility. And he labels each one of these tools that have become available to us, having done everything to stand firm, stand firm, therefore, having uh, girded your loins with truth. That means the belt of truth that comes from Isaiah chapter 11, verse 5. We are to prepare our minds for action, according to Peter, First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 13. Uh, keep sober in spirit, fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Peter knows that our minds are important, and, um, and that means having uh, put our um, put our belt, that is the, the, the thing that all the other uh, pieces of equipment holds to. In fact, while Paul is writing this, he may actually have a visual illustration standing in front of him or standing at his side, chained to him as a Roman uh, soldier is guarding him in his rental property. And as he does so, he looks at the Roman soldier for his inspiration, you might say, uh, to, to elaborate upon the details of these various pieces of equipment. And he starts with the belt of truth. And the belt is the thing that holds everything else together. Uh, and uh, without it, then uh, nothing else uh, can uh, can stay in the attached position. So it's important to know the truth. And uh, of course, uh, he said earlier in chapter four, verse 21, just as the truth is in Jesus, he is the truth. He said that he is the truth. That was one of his own claims about his own identity. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Uh, so that uh, 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 Romans chapter 3, verse 4, part B says, rather let God be found true, though every man be found a liar. Chapter, um, that is chapter 4, uh, verse 4, excuse me, of, uh, of 3 John. 
John says this, I have no greater joy than this to hear of my children walking in the truth. And so the truth of God is vital to our um, our stand against the enemy, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's a quotation from uh, Isaiah chapter 59, verse 17. So we have something that covers the vital organs inside of our chest, and that's the breastplate. What is that? It's the righteousness. And uh, what is that righteousness? It's the righteousness of Christ. We need to know it is not our own righteousness. It is not our own religion that we have developed over habits or over uh, practice. It is the fact that Jesus is our righteousness, that that is our breastplate. He is the one that determines that uh, our righteousness has been established uh, by by the fact that God has declared us to be righteous based upon Jesus's righteousness. And uh, that is what protects us against the enemy. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 9, through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith, we are to know that we cannot stand against the devil by impressing him with all of our self-produced righteousness. It comes from Christ. And so we stand uh, because of him. And that is our breastplate. Verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. This comes from Isaiah chapter 52, verse 7. That's the quotation there. And uh, it has to do with our footwear because footwear is vital to a to a soldier, and uh, that means uh, he can plant his feet and stand strong against the enemy and uh, not be able to be caught off guard or or pushed out of balance or anything else, and he can stand with with certain kind of power, but he has to have the right kind of footwear, and the right kind of footwear in this case is the gospel. But notice it's described as the gospel of peace. This peace, uh, it isn't the, the gospel of attack necessarily. It is the gospel of truth, but it's also the gospel of peace. It offers peace to any who comes because Jesus is and has established our peace with God. That is the message we proclaim. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, according to Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. He says, in addition to all, Verse 16, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. That shield is a, is a particular word for shield. There, were the, the, there was a distinct word that uh, referred to the, uh, to the honor guard shield. And that, those were, were rather small uh, uh, metal, uh, uh, either out of bronze or maybe gold or silver. And they had a lot of flash to them and, because they were the honor guard shield. But then there was the battle shield that the Romans would take into actual war. And those were huge. They were like four feet uh, tall and a couple of feet wide. And they had they had uh, attached to them leather that they would soak with water so that the, uh, the arrows of flaming arrows, that is, would be extinguished by this water in the leather covering. And... Uh, the leather attachment, and that's what we are to take up. And what are these shields here? The, these shields are the, uh, the shield of faith. Our shield is the fact that we are trusting rather than trying. The fact that we are have, have expressed our, our and placed our faith into Christ and his death 
as the payment for our sin. We have placed our faith in his righteousness to be our own righteousness as our substitute. And um, that is a, a function of faith. We have grasped, grasped onto something that we may not be able to see, but we've been promised it. And so we clutch onto that by faith, not because of our strength, but because of we've placed it into him. And uh, that is what we do to, to uh, extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And finally, it says, take up the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is, um, is of course, what protects our head. It protects our mind. Isaiah 59 verse 17 is where that comes from. So that uh, through faith, we receive the, uh, the, the salvation that comes by, by the gift of God, not as a result of works. And uh, we are beat to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, according to Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And uh, so we are to know that we are, are knowing Christ. As we know Christ, he is our helmet of salvation. And the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. The Word of God is our final uh, uh, piece of equipment that he's describing here and that uh, that sword of the spirit and he defines it here very clearly is the word of God the sword of the spirit uh, might come from Isaiah chapter 11 verse 4 he talks about the rod of his mouth Hosea chapter 6 verse 5 talks about the words of my mouth uh, and that's exactly where we are. We take God's words as our words, and his word has the authority in the enemy territory, and the enemy knows it. And we trust in the word of God to be our sword uh, in making attack against him. Thank you, Father, for these words today. Thank you that it is our truth that we cling to by faith that causes our victory against the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.